0: let's do it let's do it broadcasting from around the world you're listening to the first 100 a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers here's your
1: host Hadi Rodwan. Harish good to have you on the show how are you doing today
0: I'm doing great Hadi thanks for inviting
1: Amazing. Harish consul is our guest uh, today. He's uh, the founder of the Ogro group of companies which includes the venture capital Ogro Ventures which focuses on the tech sector, the fintech sector, SaaS software, longevity and many more such as glee- clean tech. Harish, welcome to the show. Take us back to the top. How did you start up your company?
0: Sure. Thanks uh, Eddie again for having me. So I started in the uh, late 80s, early 90s in Vancouver. I uh, grew up in Calgary in Canada and uh, moved to Vancouver. So I started a data storage company in the early 90s and it was the first online web-based data software. So we sold that to a Seattle company. We're fortunate in um, going through all the startup phases and what's involved for every founder. And then I started a second company in the mid-90s, and we sold that again. And then thus, one thing led to another, and we launched our fund, Acro Ventures, from then on, and really invest globally now.
1: Amazing. Mm-hmm. Talk us back to your early investment when you were 15 years old. Can you share that story?
0: Sure. So I've always been, uh, ever since I was very young, and I can remember 9, 10, 11, interested in investments, our dad started investing early. We were in the real estate business, and I saw my our dad buying apartment buildings and helping him and going to them, cleaning up suites. And so I bought my first house at 15 in Canada, here in Calgary, and uh, did all my research. Of course, my father had to co-sign he loved the deal I found so much and he bought the same unit. So we bought two houses side by side in uh, Northeast Calgary. And that sort of started my real estate investing uh, path.
1: <laughs> That's a great story. Thank you for sharing it, Harish. The show is about the first 100 paying customer. But in your case, you're sitting on the investment side, which I believe the hardest part is to raise the private fund and deploy it and get great returns on it. Tell us, how did you start that fund? And what was the most challenging part of raising the money around it?
0: Sure, sure. So our fund is private. So we don't raise outside capital, just to clarify. So, you know, we started the fund, really, I had a couple of successful exits, did quite well. And then we launched our fund, Acro Venture, started investing, So, you know, we look at a number of different things, Eddie, in terms of what we see in terms of uh, new companies coming to us. And as you know, there's a number of these factors that are critical in the success of every single company. It's, you know, the founders team, of course, the idea, the business model, funding, how big is the runway, and of course, timing. All five of those things are critical in terms of what we look for and happy to, you know, expand on on each one, uh, depending on what we want to dive into here.
1: Amazing. If you go back to your early days when the fund was new, how did you find early on startups to invest in? Is there a tactic you created to create your pipeline?
0: That's a great question. So one of the biggest things is building relationships. And I'm a big believer in building lifelong relationships and your track record. So you've got a network, right? You've got to be involved. And I was involved in YPO and, and tie the network. Uh, there's a lot of global tech networks. I was in Vancouver at the time. So I used to go back and forth to Seattle, Silicon Valley a lot, built those relationships, investment conferences. And, you know, you really got to plug in. We didn't have LinkedIn then. and didn't have a lot of these global events that we do now. So it was harder. And you had to physically, you know, get on a plane and, and travel and But I think those early days of building those relationships with successful founders, and they, you know, rise and grow, and they're on their second, third startup, you know, it's it's a process, right? And that cycle continues to grow that flywheel, if uh, you know what I mean. And then basically, those early relationships led to other deal flow coming in to Acro, and, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, I think it's actually easier today because uh, you can be much more virtual and global, but it was harder in the 90s and early 2000 for sure.
1: Amazing. You're one of the most active investors, I, I believe, in Canada. Is there any specific secret sauce that allows you to be that active in, in that industry? Thanks
0: for your kind words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's no secret sauce. Honestly, it's it's hard work. As you know, it's uh, 30 years of staying focused and penetrating different sectors globally. So, you know, we've been fortunate to be an early uh, investor in Shopify here in Canada. And that's led to a number of different D2C, B2B commerce, SaaS companies in that space. And that leads to other founders recognizing our efforts. I speak at quite a few conferences globally. So, you know, we get the exposure and every single investor family office, a fund is looking to co-invest. So we share a lot of deals with other VCs. Uh, we often lead, sometimes we co-lead our own, but we're really focused on the international market now because there's so many opportunities outside of North America as well, as you know.
1: Amazing. Thank you for sharing this. What have you seen from founders you've invested in early acquisition growth strategies that are probably tactical, economical, smart, and that showed that there's a sign of potential there?
0: It's a great question. So two things in particular critical. So one is obviously the founding team and uh, what they've done, much higher risk. We try to mitigate risk as a VC, of course, right? Look for that asymmetric risk. I always tell our founders, Eddie, raise money whenever you can. Often you don't need it and market timing may not be suitable as it has been in the last 12 months to go out and raise capital. So if you can raise capital and you don't need it, I would raise it anyways because you want a longer runway and you want to be able to execute on your business plan. So, you know, a lot of founders have that mindset. Uh, they, They want to surround themselves by the best advisors and board and listen, whereas other founders, honestly, they think, you know, they know it all. <laughs> and they they don't want the outside advice. It often leads to challenges sometimes. So we look for founders that are extremely focused on building the team around them. And then the other thing I would add is they've um, got to be extremely hungry. And so so what does that mean? It got to be extremely extremely motivated to build. That audacious business, those audacious goals, and that's quite rare. And you can see that in, you know, the founders' blood. <laughs> you can you can feel it, and that's critical to us.
1: Amazing. I mean, a lot of investors we've talked to, they uh, they have their own blueprint of how to invest. For you, yeah. what's more important? Is it uh, you look first at the team and then the idea, the product, the market, or you look first on the, the market, the product, the idea, and then the team, which comes first for you?
0: So for us, we look at the market. We look at the, the market and the timing. Timing is, is actually the most critical that we look at. And a lot of people don't place enough emphasis on that. Can I give you a quick example? Please. We all remember in the um, late 90s, there was a lot of companies streaming video and um, many of them started this business model. They did really well. Unfortunately, they all went bankrupt. Literally five years later, Companies like YouTube and Netflix and Amazon Prime all became huge success stories. Why? Well, we didn't have enough broadband uh, bandwidth at the time. It was slow internet, if you remember, dial-up, and it wasn't pervasive globally. It was the exact same business model, but wrong timing. So we look at the the market in terms of timing uh, because everything has to be ready. Obviously, the founding team and their background and their capital raise is important. But to us, timing is the most important in terms of a business uh, being executed successfully.
1: Thank you for sharing this. I mean, you've seen hundreds of founders over over the past decades that you have been investing and you have few unicorns under your belt, as you mentioned, Shopify. What are common characteristics or patterns that founders exhibit early on to tell you that these people will make it big?
0: Yep. Yep. Amazing question. So again, that hunger never goes away. They're really focused on the long term. Too many founders look at next quarter or next six months. I mean, you've got to focus on building that 50-year-plus company, 100-year company. The other thing is, again, they surround themselves by people that they trust. They treat their team well. They share the pie, I like to say, is that, you know, it's far better getting a small piece of a much larger pie than 100% of a pie that's that's not growing. So, you know, we see that common trait in founders that they're willing to be generous, and share their cap table and bring on the best advisors so i think that's critical for us obviously in a growing market capturing share they pivot quickly you've got to often you know the models change so you've got to be able to pivot quickly and move so very very fast internet speeds pivot quickly and that hunger
1: thank you that that's great advice uh you've invested as well in viome so why are you bullish on longevity
0: we're extremely bullish on longevity. And this is an area, if you remember, Eddie, like no one was talking about literally five years ago. And now there's massive amounts of investors and family offices, folks, in the longevity. The, one of the main reasons is honestly AI. So when you look at... A company like Biome, we have the latest microbiome data over 700,000 customers now. Very simply, you, they send the customers a kit. You do a blood sample, stool sample, saliva sample, you send it back, and it determines your microbiome. Your microbiome is different than my gut, different than everybody else's. But when you have hundreds of thousands of samples through AI and analyze these, you start to see biomarkers and trends, and that is becomes very predictive in terms of the data analytics. So I think you're seeing that in many, many areas in longevity. And, um, you know, we've just started to realize the power of that data and really focus on preventative. Rather than curing the sick, why don't we prevent getting sick in the first place, right? Making illness optional. That's really what most of these longevity companies are doing. And it's very exciting because we all know that you know 60 was the old 40 80 is the new 60 now we're saying 100 is the new 60 and you know we're extending our biological age much longer and longer which leads to amazing results for everyone so we're, we're excited about the space we're seeing a lot of innovation coming out globally and Viome is just one of the companies in our portfolio.
1: Amazing thank you for sharing this I mean longevity is is something that has been talked a lot about and people It's like the golden uh, thing to have that you want to extend your age. And people are talking about 180. What do you believe is something that's achievable based on the technology you've seen, the the startups you've seen, and the advancement in medicine?
0: In terms of lifespan, you mean? Yes. I am very, very confident that 220 is achievable. And not only achievable beyond that uh, very soon because um, people are extending their lives. And it's it's not a matter of just your chronological age. I mean, it's also vitality, right? You want to live with vitality in terms of your brain health, your physical health. And um, we're seeing a lot of signs of that. We're seeing companies in this space of longevity, not only looking at extending lifespans, but potentially reversing certain cell growth and repairing there's a saying that, you know, bluehead whales and turtles live 200 plus years. So why can't humans? And it's very exciting when you start to look at, at these, uh, a salamander regrows its organs, it regrows its tail, right? So we start losing our microchondria and certain characteristics as we age. And so there's a lot of lab work and companies working on this space right now that are extending that cellular growth, cellular health. And it's very exciting.
1: Amazing, thank you for sharing this. What's one principle that you live by that has served you well in your journey?
0: So, again, there's a number of them, but one of the most important things is think long-term. The long-term staying power is critical. Too many people focus on short-term markets and, uh, again, what's happening in the next six months or next year. I've always taken a five, ten-year-plus outlook, and um, there's all the blips in the short-term. But if you look at the long-term and stay focused stay tuned in. I think you'll always do well over the long term. You've got to keep your head down and work hard. There's no substitute for hard work.
1: Absolutely. Is there an investment that uh, you've passed on that you wished you've invested in?
0: Yes, many. We had early opportunities in several companies. Uh, One of them uh, was a a Korean company called Kupang. We invested in it, but not early enough. So often we see these companies growing, revenues are growing, every single financial metric is growing and they come back to us and then we jump in. It's better, better late than never, right? But often we want to prove out the model and if you wait another year or two years, you mitigate your risk. So sometimes we're paying higher valuation for the company, but it's still a good investment long-term. And there's many examples of that. Yeah. So we tend not to do angel rounds. We like to do pre-series A and A onwards just for that reason, that we we try to we want to make sure the model's proven out, they have real customers, and they're ramping up.
1: Amazing. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be?
0: Honestly, being a great dad. My, my kids are number one uh, family and family. Uh, far more important than investing or anything else <laughs> families first
1: <laughs> amazing thank you for sharing this at the end of every interview i started a new section where i ask the guest to share a business problem or a question that is lingering that they would want someone to give them advice or to solve and uh, i have a, a guest before uh, you that have asked a question And I would like also maybe to have a question from you for the next guest. What sort of question do you have on your mind for a business problem that you need advice on?
0: This is a problem. I still find it very difficult to transfer money globally. So you know, there's companies working on this, and it's probably a deeper question. But there's some new standards called UPI. I think it has to get far, far easier. For us to not only transfer globally, but foreign exchange and currency and payment transactions. I think that's an area of huge opportunity. And uh, love to see uh, somebody uh, come forward with some ideas there.
1: All right, we'll put that in, in the notes. So I have a question for you from the previous guest. And sure. their question is, how would you look at investments between the brand and the growth of the company? How would you weigh it from a consumer startup's perspective? Where would you put more weight? At which stage? How much money? Et cetera.
0: I would put that's a great question. I would put far more weight on growth. So if a company is growing much faster, that becomes the brand, right? That will become a much stronger brand. If I put money on the brand that's growing slower, I, I would not be interested at all in that because. We all know many, many brands that have gone bankrupt. (laughs) So I think uh, focus on growth, uh, the future going forward. That's where our interest is for sure.
1: That's an easy one. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you for sharing uh, this advice. We'll post it for the previous guest. One last question. What's next for uh, yourself and the company you're running?
0: Acro Ventures is, you know, we continue to invest globally, we're expanding, uh, I'm, I'm speaking more and more often globally. Uh, we have an office in Calgary, Vancouver, We're opening an office in Dubai in 24 and we're also opening an office in Mumbai, India. So we uh, tend to have much greater focus on the MENA region and um, India, that region is growing very fast and the opportunities we're seeing there are, are very exciting.
1: Thank you for stopping by, Harish. Uh, this was a very insightful episode. How can people reach you?
0: Thank you so much. They can reach me on LinkedIn uh, or by email anytime. Our website's acrogroup.com.
1: Amazing. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much.
0: My pleasure, Harish. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or Spotify and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.